Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Jesus, let your spirit come into this place. Let it open up our hearts so that we can receive something that of uncorruptible seed that will be planted in our hearts and it will bring forth fruit of 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about dead works and good works and what's the difference. Okay, now the first thing before we even go into this, because it's all about sowing and reaping. The question is this, and we have to answer it. Do we still sow and reap with sin? That's the question. Now, just think, if you still do sow and reap with sin, imagine, okay? Now, listen, consequence is different than sowing and reaping. Consequence is that there is an action and there is a reaction, right? Sowing and reaping is, is that you do something, it takes a seed, it plants it, it germinates, it starts to root, then it starts to come up, and it turns into a fruit of bad. Are you understanding that? So just think, we are not completely sinless anymore. So if we are sowing and reaping sin, our lives are going to look disastrous. But Jesus took care of that. Matter of fact, he used his own self in the analogy that he was the seed being sown into the ground, and that seed died. All right, so let's take a look at this. Uh, but before we do that, last week I talked about that people were never under two covenants. That wasn't true. The truth is this, is that God never put people under two covenants. Man put themselves under two covenants. So I wanted to reiterate that. God never said, okay, here you're under grace, but I'm going to give you law. It was God gave them grace and they put themselves under law. Remember last week we talked about the children of Israel. And it says, all that he says, we will do. Ratsa asa, which literally means we can finish paying our own debt to God. Yeah, exactly. Right? We could never do that. All right? So anyways, I just wanted to reiterate on that. So back to the two towers. Dead works, good works. Sowing and reaping, sin. So in uh, John 12, 24, listen to this. Let me make this clear. A single grain. Jesus is the grain. You know, there's grain in their shaft that goes over the grain. Remember Psalms uh, uh, chapter 1 says, She'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, the chaff, the chaff which the dr wind drives away. Okay, so Jesus, listen to this. He says, he is the wheat, and it will never be more than just a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, because then it'll sprout and produce a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain of wheat died. Jesus took seed time and harvest, and he applied it to himself, and he applied it in, in, the, in the context of sin. Not just sin, but the old Adamic nature and all of his sin. See, he had a foreknowledge and he didn't want you to be sowing and reaping for all your sin. Now, some people say, well, hey, tell people that they'll reap whatever they sow as far as sin is good. That'll prevent them from it. No, it won't because that's law. Don't do this or else. 
That's law. Putting people in fear of God is law. Well, Eric, didn't talk about the fear of the Lord? Yeah. Yare. To be in awe and worship him. That's the fear of the Lord. Amen? So he says this. Now, why does he, why does he use this? Because he wants us to know that it was taken care of. Now, how was it taken care of? How did, how did he become sin? Right? 2 Corinthians 5.21. What does he say? He who knew no sin became, that word became, listen, look at this, is the Greek word ginoahi, means that he was born into it. In him was in no sin, he committed no sin, and he did no sin. But he was born into sin for our sake and became that old Adam at the cross. And everything that the old Adam sowed, guess what? Jesus reaped by dying and being buried into the ground. And everything that he was as that old Adam was buried and stayed there and can never be resurrected again. And what did God do? He took his dunamis power and he filled every fiber of Jesus's body to where it could not, death could not hold it and it was raised and everything that he was when he died was left behind and is no more. You don't have to worry about sin, sowing and reaping. Now, hey, is there, is there consequence? Yeah, I'm not gonna deny that there's consequence, right? We know that, but it's not sowing and reaping. Because then you'll always have a fearful expectation and you'll never know when good's coming because what you did last year, you're looking forward to the next, the season, right? And then vice versa, it goes on and on and on. And you know what that would make us do? Is it would cause us not to rest. And it caused us not to rest. And we're always thinking we have to make up to do something to make whatever we've done right with God. We're going back to the children of Israel in chapter 19. All he says we will do, we can finish paying our own debt with God. It's actually anti-Christ because you make nothing of Jesus and you make everything of yourself. Okay. So in uh, John 27, here's another picture of it. Now, isn't it interesting how Jesus was wrapped and those linen clothes were laying on the ground? But there was one thing left behind, and that was a napkin that had covered his face. Some will call this historically the shroud of Jesus. Okay? It covered his face, and it was folded, and it was laid on top of the tomb. Why did he do that? I mean, why did he just like, man, I'm out. Throw it to the ground like everything else. By the way, in order for him to get out of those wrappings, he had to have a resurrected body that transcended time and space he wouldn't have been able to get himself out. He dropped them, had no holdover anymore, and then took the napkin and he took his time and he folded it and he laid it there as a sign that would be left for those who would come into the tomb later and see it and that they would understand something from that. What was he saying? So uh, in the Hebrew culture, there was something that was called unspoken word. And the way that unspoken word was, was an action would speak for itself. So if I came over to your house and you were my host and I was your guest and I liked your hospitality and I would return again, I would take the napkin at the end of the meal and I would crumble it up like this and leave it like that. You ever go to a restaurant, you'd be like, whoo, and you got full and then you wrapped up your napkin, just threw it on the ground. You're like, I'll be back. That's what that is. But... 
If you did not like hospitality and you were never coming back, you would fold the napkin like this and you would leave it laying on the table and that would speak louder than words. What Jesus was saying when he came up and he took that off. By the way, it was wrapped around the head. Head in Hebrew represents identity. He said, that old fallen Adamic nature and everything of it, I took down there. It's dead. It's never coming back. And by the way, I'm never going back. And if you're in me, you're never going back. That's why he did that. Now, I want to tell you about this guy, Pelagius. Anybody ever heard of him? Pelagius was a theologian between 300 AD and 400 AD. I don't, I don't remember the exact dates, okay? And he is responsible for doctrine that's in the church today. Go back in church history. You learn. You can actually learn a lot. Okay. So it was called the Pelagian heresy. Guess what he believed? He denied divine aid in performing of good works. And the only grace that man needed was the declaration of the law. Guess what? Modern day terms. God's done his part, but now I need to do mine. As if you can do what Jesus is... You know what it is to be under law? Is you trying in your own effort to do what Jesus has already done. And under grace, it's being restful on the inside and grace flowing to the outside, bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. That's right, you can have self-control. Let me say that one more time. When, I, when my, uh, my mentor showed me this, and he told me about this guy, and I went and looked him up, and I did a study on him, and he, sure enough, he was right. Denied divine aid in performance of good works. In other words, you can do good works apart from Christ. And then he said the only grace, so he turned the law into grace, perverting it, saying the only grace needed was for you to hear the declaration of the law and you would be able to keep it and be made right with God. If that was true, Jesus would have never needed to come. And you think, oh, Eric, I mean, surely people don't believe that today. Yes, they do. Born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. They still think they have to do their part. And when you have to do your part, there's never any rest. Do you know there's only one thing that, that uh, God says in the New Testament? He goes, fear lest you not enter into his rest. And then labor to enter his rest. You know that word labor is the same word used in 2 Timothy 3.6 for study. That's your labor, to study and rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? Okay, so... But what does God have to say about this? And, and by the way, why did he do all this? In Genesis, God says, because of what you've done, he was talking to Adam, the ground is cursed. God never cursed the ground. He said, because of what you've done, Adam, the ground is cursed. That was the cause and the effect. And then it says, you'll work by the sweat of your brow. That is law. Amen? So, what I, love, I love this. This is even an Old Testament scripture, but it's prophetic for us today. Okay, Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, remember in the Old Testament, the only way they could bring forth good works is when the Holy Spirit came upon them. 
but the Holy Spirit could never live in them until Jesus died, rose again, ascended, our old man and all that goes along with it, dead, and then he put us in him. So we have the Spirit living in us now. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit did come upon him. I mean, just think about David and Goliath. Think about Gideon. So think about, you know, those types of things. Oh, well, Eric, they did that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then the Holy Spirit left. But it was still a grace gift. Now, listen to this. Not by my might nor by my power. So the word might is kail, which means man's strength. Power is kowak, which means his ability. So what he's saying is it's not by man's strength or his ability, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. This is such good news for us today. We don't have to be stressed out all the time thinking, do we get it right? I had heard from somebody and they said, hey, uh, you know, let me know if I do something wrong so I can go back and make it right. <laughs> you'll spend your whole life doing that and you'll never even have a relationship with God. Because you're thinking by going back and making that right, now you can go to him, but there's always going to be something else and there's going to be something else and there's going to be something else. It never ends. Amen? Okay. So then Jesus in John 15 talks about the vine and the branches. Now, by, by the way, this wasn't written to them right then because they didn't have the Spirit, so they wouldn't understand. But he's letting them know ahead of time so when the Spirit comes, they have some type of biblical reference that he said to go back and know what was going on. Right? That makes sense with everybody. Okay? And so, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, or divided from me, not being one with me, you can do nothing. No thing. All credit goes to him. No credit goes to us. Hey, we're just blessed that we're along for the ride. How about you? I mean, I know what I came from. Listen, let me just be flat out. I'm not here to, however you've, your life has changed and everything, I respect that. But don't tell me how my life changed. I know exactly how it was. And when I was loved at my worst is when things changed on the inside of me and I started living my life different. Not by any rules, not by regular, that, none of that worked for me. I tried that for year after year after year being saved. It never worked. The only thing that worked is knowing I was loved. I remember one time he told me, he goes, Eric, I don't care about that sin. My son Jesus already took care of that. I care about you and I want you. When he started talking to me like that, that's when my life started to really change. Amen? So let's talk about trust for a second because really flesh, which is dead works, versus spirit, which is good works, is all dependent upon trust. By the way, you don't trust by trying to manufacture it. Well, to really, today I'm really going to try hard and I'm going to trust God with all my heart. I've heard people say things like this. What about the next day? The day after that? Yeah, we can't do that, can we? Okay. Do you know how you learn how to trust? Is by hearing the work's been finished and hearing his character of who he is. It says it is impossible for him to lie. Impossible. And when you hear that, it empowers you and puts your heart at rest now I can trust. Now the spirit flows through me. And guess what? Now I'm sowing good seed instead of dead seed. We're going to get in that to a minute. Okay? Um, so trust is the Hebrew word batak. Everybody say batak. Okay, so you learned a Hebrew word. Go out here. Yeah. I know me a little bit of Hebrew. Batak. Right here. Heart. You see that? 
Yeah, you didn't see that right there? So, Batak, listen to this. Bet, so everybody can see it. Bet means in or inside. Tet means to be surrounded. And then Chet is a picture of a fence. It is hidden in the Hebrew letters about one day we would be in Christ, to be inside the surrounding fence. What's, what's a fence represent? Protection. But do you know how the Jews interpreted this word? Carefree and at rest. To trust God is to be carefree and at rest. Why? Everything's done. And by that resting, what will happen is it'll bring forth fruit organically, supernaturally. I mean, you don't know how many people I know in charismatic circles that don't believe in the supernatural. When it came down to it, they still had to try to put their effort forth. That's what I, that's what I grew up in. I grew up in the charismatic, in the church. Okay, so now think about this. If me and you go out to eat, but I didn't, I didn't really invite you. We just sort of said, yeah, we'll get together and we'll have a meal. Okay, and I didn't say whether I was paying or not. And you didn't have any money in your pocket. Now, if we walked in and right when we went up and the hostess was sitting us, right? And I whipped out a wad of cash and said, don't worry, get whatever you want, it's on me. Dude, you're going to be at rest. You're going to enjoy your meal. I mean, it's going to be amazing. But what if when we went up there, I didn't say nothing. And the whole time you're in your mind, you're like not ordering expensive stuff. You're trying to keep it down low because you're trying to figure out how much do I have on this credit card? How much do I, how much do I have? Because, you know, you didn't have the money. And it's like you're stressed out. That's the difference between living by grace or living by law. Listen, the father says it's all been prepared. Sit down and eat. Why do you think he says in Psalms 23 when you're going through it and your enemy's attacking you? He goes, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Sit down and eat at this table. Don't worry about the enemies around you. They can't touch you because you're inside the surrounding fence. Okay. So what do we sow now? Well, here, let's go over that real quick. Money. All right. We'd all agree we sow money. Right? The word. Do you know the word sin is never mentioned in relations in the new covenant with sowing and reaping? Because we're about to go to Galatians 6, 7 through 9, and it never uses the word sin. And don't take the word flesh that you think that that's sin because that's not sin. There's a whole other word for sin. Matter of fact, there's a noun and a verb for sin. And this word, it ain't it. Matter of fact, Okay, how many knows there's different levels of interpretation? Right? Like the Hebrews, they have four levels of interpretation. So it goes from the top, down lower, down lower, down lower. So they have different levels of interpretation. Well, that's same true as for the scriptures. It can have primary, secondary, so on and so forth, right? So primary, if you look at Galatians 6, 7 through 9, verse 6 says, Let him who is taught... Sharing all good things with him who teaches. That's what it says. And then it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Matter of fact, you think that's a bad thing? That's a good thing. Why? It is impossible for God to lie. We'll look and see what he's going to do here. Okay? So, uh, I like that. That's good stuff. And so, anyways, 
the whole context is finances. Why? There's what's called a teruma to the pastor. But Paul wouldn't have used that for the Gentiles. They didn't understand what a teruma was. But what he was saying, because what a teruma was, is that you would give a certain percentage to the rabbi who taught you. So the pastor that's teaching you, you would sow into his life, sharing all good things. It's not just money. It could be doing things for the pastor or whatever, but it's, it's sowing, and it's primarily finances. But there is a second interpretation because we know Galatians 5.22 says the works of the flesh are evident, which the first one is adultery. See, we think that is a guy sleeping with a, you know, with a married woman or, or vice versa. That's what we think of. No, it's spiritual adultery. Yes, Jesus is good, but I need to go back to this because I need to prove to God that I'm worthy to be his son or his daughter. Spiritual adultery. See, we always look at those things in the flesh, but that's not necessarily what they mean. And we're not saying that there isn't a definition for that there, but... For us that are born again, that's not referring to us. Those things aren't referring to us. But we can take the spiritual aspect of it, right? Okay, so this is a hard teaching for people to get. It really is. But in, in the end, who wants to reap everything they sow to sin? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, who? Really? No, do you know why people want stuff like this? Because they think it's going to keep them in line but they, they might not do those certain sins that are very obvious or sins that are really looked down upon in the church, but they've got their own sin. Number one, pride. And it goes on, it goes on. Do you know, it's, it's these six things Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. You know what the first one is? Pride. You know what the last one is? That's the abomination. It's a rushed stench. Sowing discord among brethren. Just a little different aspect when you start looking at Scripture and we start saying, oh, you know, we're looking at the flesh like adultery. Oh, he slept with somebody or she slept with somebody. Or, no, it's not necessarily mean that. It could also mean spiritual adultery. Yeah, hey, man, thank you, Jesus. I confess my sins. I'm right with you again. Now i got to go over here and i got to show you how right I am. Okay. So it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Thank God. This is a good thing. See, I used to, I was taught this. It was this horrible, put you in fear. Oh, you better beware or else. I mean, man, it was like, dude, I left, I was scared. I was like, man, I better watch everything I do. Do you think you're going to produce the fruit of the spirit when you're stressed out like that? No. Hey, listen, I'm not saying let us sin. That grace may abound. But what I am saying is if you do have sin in your life, grace is greater and it can bring you up out of there because it abounds much more. Let's get down to this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He had such confidence that they were going to sow to the spirit instead of the flesh. He said, don't lose heart. You're going to reap. That's what he believed that much in those that he had left behind to train up these people that he was speaking to. Wow. Do not be deceived. Guess what? God's not mocked. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That's good news for me and you under grace. Amen. So the word flesh is zarks. Self-effort. 
Then we've got corruption. You'll reap corruption, right? We're talking about reaping corruption. Phthora. So I did a study on this word. Do you know what it means? It's a picture of a seed that's dead. And when you put it into the ground, it doesn't bring forth any fruit. So when you stop trusting God, listen, your identity doesn't change, your forgiveness of sins doesn't change, nothing changes as far as your position in Christ, but effectually how your quality of life is can change. Right? So when you stop trusting God and get out of rest and you say, no, I'll take over, that's the flesh. And anything you do in the flesh is like a dead seed that you put into the ground. And guess what? God's not mocked. It won't bring forth any fruit. Is everybody getting this? Okay. So then over here to the spirit. But he sows to the spirit. Will the spirit reap life everlasting? Doesn't say everlasting life. Life everlasting. There's a difference. Let's go over it. So spirit is fuma. You know, the number one definition for this was Christ's spirit. Remember, he's the vine. We're the branches. The sap of grace comes from him because he is grace. And it flows into us, the branch. And then that branch produces fruit. So when you sow into the spirit by the grace of Christ, you produce zoe, which is a quality of life, of everlasting life. So guess what? When you're under grace and you're at rest and the Spirit is flowing grace through you and you do things, you're taking seeds that have dynamic power in them and when you do them, you're putting them into the ground and you're going to reap forth a harvest. Sowing to the flesh, sowing to the Spirit. See the difference? Okay, so let's talk about this one last thing. Eric, how do I do that? Practically speaking, how do I stay under grace? I mean, I have my good days, I have my bad days, right? We all, that's all of us here. So in my 20 years, which isn't that long, there's people that have been around a lot longer than I have in the church, but in my 20 years, I've learned one thing. That when you listen to grace messages every single day, you'll be different for that day than if you never would have. And according to sowing of the word, right? Jesus talked about that. He talked about sowing. And by the way, you got a new heart so that you got good ground. He was talking to other people. He was talking about they weren't born again. All those things, you got to look back at that. Okay? So every time that you are sitting under Grace, a ministry of grace, and listening to that word, which the work is finished. It's being sown into your heart, taking down deep roots. Let me tell you what. Grace takes down a farther root as high as the tree is going to end up growing and then bringing forth that fruit. That, that's why he says, let us not grow weary while doing good. Listen, grace works, but it takes, it takes time. Law is instantaneous. It says, don't do this. You don't do this. You're, you're righteous. Grace is... It's sown in there. The root's got to dig deep. Then it'll sprout up and then it will bring fruit 30, 60, 100 fold in your life. Listen, if you listen to grace teaching every day for one year, you'd be different than you are today. 
That's the best. That, practically speaking, that's how I would say you're under grace. And I'm not saying that you all don't have some other avenues of connecting with God, which would uh, be worship or just reading your Bible. or And that's fine. You know what I mean? But something about hearing, he says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that, that word, word, literally is Christos. You know what I mean? And so that's what I would leave with you on that. How do I do that? I listen to Joseph Prince every day. It's no, everybody knows. I, I'm not, that's, that's my guy. That's who I listen to. He's a trusted source that I've been listening to for 14 years. So I drink well from, I drink water from that well. But anybody that's preaching the grace message that you like, listen every day. Just like a half hour a day. And I'm telling you, your day will be different. Your week will be different. Your month will be different. Your year will be different. All of a sudden, things will start sprouting up in your life that you never even saw coming, which is the goodness of God. And if there's still any areas in your life that need changing in the way you think, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. Mm -hmm.